This episode is brought to you by Salt and Strings Butchery in Southern Illinois. Order your custom beef today by visiting saltandstrings.com or use the link in the show notes. This episode is also brought to you by Barbell Logic, the premier online coaching service for barbell strength training. Get your first month free by signing up at barbelllogic.com slash hardmen or use the link in the show notes. Well, welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn, and very excited for today's episode. We're going to be talking with headmaster and pastor Kevin Love here in Ogden, Utah, about how you can figure out what your calling is. What is your calling, your vocational calling, and how do you start to figure this out? A lot of people are older and they still don't know the answer to this question. A lot of people are going to be in their teen years, a lot of homeschool guys trying to figure out what should I be doing with my life. So Kevin and I are going to hopefully answer this question for you in today's episode. How do you find work that matches your skill set, your abilities, your motivation, your passions, your opportunities, etc.? And we're going to divide this discussion into a number of parts. Originally, Kevin and I, you'll kind of hear this at points in the show. We thought we were going to do it in three parts. Part one ended up being a little bit longer. So uh, it will probably be more parts um, that we break this show up into. And why Headmaster Love? Well, I think because Kevin does such a good job. Uh, First of all, he started his own business. He's read tons of stuff. He's in the real estate industry in Ogden, does a phenomenal job with that. So runs a successful business, knows what it takes to get stuff like that off the ground. But he's also Headmaster at St. Brendan's Academy. He's done a lot of work with my older boys, helping them figure out, okay, how do you run a business? What kind of businesses could you possibly get into? Um, He's exposed them to a lot of really valuable work and lessons like painting. Um, So he's just a wonderful resource, but he's also, I found, um, I've been a COO, CEO type roles in my life. So, you know, further along the process and yet our conversations are still insanely helpful. I wish I would have had this advice and input when I was 15, 16 years old and first started thinking about vocation. So I think you'll enjoy the conversation. In today's show, we're going to, we're starting by going through this MAP acronym. Um, how do you figure out what you're good at? We'll start with motivation in today's show. How do you figure out what motivates you? How do you expose yourself to different work so you can kind of answer that question? And it's going to be a big part of figuring out what is your calling. A few other housekeeping items. Number one, Thank you to all our Patreon supporters. Could not do this work without you. We have a huge heavy lift with New Chris and Unpress, and you guys make the work possible. So if you have benefited from this show, we would encourage you to sign up on Patreon to be a supporter of the show. That goes a long way to furthering this work. And if you sign up today at the $10 a month tier, you get a free Hard Men Slunk Eggs coffee cup. So sign up today and we will send you a hard men slunk eggs cup. Second thing I want to make you aware of, it's a phenomenal month to sign up for Barbell Logic. I was doing my weightlifting this week, thinking about everything I've been through with uh, my trainer, Matt Reynolds, and it's been great. I started at under 200 pounds on deadlift and squat, now up over 315 on both. Actually hit a PR this week on a one by three for Scott, or, <laughs> for squats which was uh, 320 pounds, one by three at 320, and then uh, two sets of five at 290. So that has been wonderful. 
If you want to increase your longevity, your health span, and your lifespan, uh, strength training is a phenomenal way to do that. So you can sign up with the link in the show notes for Barbell Logic. Would encourage you to do that. When you do that, it supports this show as well. It supports uh, great work that Matt's doing. He's a Christian brother and, uh, you know, really love the work that they're doing. It's great for strength training, but it also supports this show. So be encouraged to do that. First month is always free. Check out the link in the show notes. And then finally, I want to make you guys aware we have a new show that's dropped. Uh, I think the first intro episode is out today, and that is Haunted Cosmos. Uh, Pastor Brian Sauvey and Ben Garrett are looking into the realm of high strangeness. I love this show. I've listened to several of the episodes. It is phenomenal, so I encourage you to check that out. What about Mothman? What about high strangeness? What about all these activities, supernatural, preternatural, whatever else you can think of? They're going to talk about it in the show. The show is highly, highly produced. Uh, There's a lot of sound design, and uh, they've done a great job. So it's very entertaining, interesting. I would encourage you to check that out. They've also got a Patreon channel and with that we will jump into today's episode well welcome to this episode of the hard men podcast i of course i'm your host eric khan and joined today by pastor headmaster legend myth mr kevin love all the hats all the hats yeah so kevin we're, we're actually sitting in your old office doing this recording i like how you say my old office <laughs> as in you have just taken it over because that's exactly what i'm seeing kevin said Oh, yeah. If you want to use my desk, that'd be fine. (laughs) That's how it started. That's how it started. Yeah. And uh, now it's been rearranged. And here we are. I feel like I might have evicted you accidentally. Well, well, you had that. What what did you say one day? You said, hey, Kevin, uh, thinking of putting some some sound dampeners up on the wall. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I I said, yeah, yeah, no, no worries. I'm not I'm not in the office too much these days. So uh, and then I think it was the next it was literally the next day. That I came in and I saw the elk. What what do you call this? The elk elk head. Yeah. So there's an elk shoulder mount and elk shoulder mount. Yeah. An elk European mount. <laughs> Kevin was like, "Wow, a few sound tiles, huh?" <laughs> yeah. How at how it started, how it's going. But but Kevin, I want to ask you. Uh, in today's show, we're going to talk about vocation. We're going to talk about calling. We're trying to answer the question: What is my calling? And maybe just a little bit of bona fides. I see your Air Force stuff up on the shelf. Uh-oh. Yeah. So for people who don't know. You kind of had a cool experience in the Air Force. Once upon a time. In yeah. fact, when I was telling somebody this this week, I was like, you know, Kevin used to jump out of planes. <laughs> and they're like, no, he didn't. I was like, yes, he actually did. Sure enough. It feels like a dream at this point. We're a few years out. How, how, how many years ago? So that, I think last time I jumped was 2014. So we're, we're coming up on a decade. Okay. So point. it's been a while. I guess just tell me about what you were doing, how you got into that in the Air Force. Sure. Yeah. So I was, uh, entered the Air Force Academy in 2012, summer of 2012. I was there for four years. While I was there, I joined the, the skydiving team, the parachute wings of blue. And uh, basically what they do on that team, there's two things. Uh, first, they are training the other students, the other cadets, how to jump out of, how to jump out of planes, uh, get their five jumps, get their wings. Uh, pretty big ceremony and exciting, obviously, right? It's pretty fun. To get to do that, but then also it's it's the only place in the world that your first jump is solo. Really? Yeah, I don't know if you knew your that. Your first jump is solo. First jump is solo. Yeah. So most other places you're going to do tandem. You're going to have th- this big guy on your back, basically, which is just weird in itself. 
But the Air Force Academy is the, the one place that I know of, at least, that, that your first jump is solo. They have reserves. They have other functions that, yeah. you know, and then two weeks of training that they try to make this very safe. But it's solo. <laughs> first one. So anyways, that, that's the first part of the team. Uh, everyone does that. But then there's another aspect where you're either doing a demo skydiving, which means you're jumping into the football games, all that kind of stuff, or you're doing competition. So you have a two-way free fly or you have four-way basically flying on your belly doing formations in the air and you get graded for, for the 35 seconds that you're falling out of the plane. Crazy. Dude, that's insane. So it's interesting. Do you like have a record or a count? Do you, like, do you know how many jumps you've made? I think it was 156. I ended up leaving the skydiving team. So if anyone hears this, they uh, might not be too happy. But 156 by the time I left. 156 jumps. It's quite a, I mean, is that a lot in? Not on that team. Okay. No, I, I left before I hit my prime. I mean, you have other people who are 750. 750, right? wow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I bring it up. I think it's pretty interesting because some of us, I think we start talking about calling. We think like, okay, I'm going to figure out the one thing that I can do in my life. Sure. And it's going to be static for the rest of my life. That's yeah. often, uh, uh, many of us, yourself included, we kind of have these, it's a journey, mm. right? There's ups and downs. We end up doing things completely different. Maybe where you are now, you didn't even think, I mean, did you think when you were <laughs> jumping, for example, that you're going to be a headmaster of a classical Christian school? No way. Not at that time. And that's actually a part of the story. Uh, I'm actually jumping ahead of myself here, but part of my story was I was on the skydiving team doing, I mean, even today, I, I would still say the most fun thing I've done before. It, I still look back at, I mean, you can see me, right? I, I'm, I'm smiling right now, just thinking about how fun that was. It, it legitimately was the most fun thing I've ever done. However, just like with anything else, it became a job. Interesting. It became a job. There is a, a term, a, a, a semester in particular, where I was maxed out. I mean, I was taking seven classes. I was the squadron superintendent. I had a roommate from Chile who I, I was. I like how you said that too, by the way, oh, yeah. Chile. Chile. Yeah, it's no, very no, cultured, not Chile. Uh, <laughs> Chile, uh, where I was, you know, helping him out, yeah. helping him get around, make sure that he was taken care of. I was on the skydiving team. I was going up to the wind tunnel twice a week. I was skydiving multiple times during the week. I was training other students. I mean, it was a full load. So my Bible reading fell away. My, mm-hmm. my time, uh, not so much time at church, but, but commitment to the church body really fell away. And I had to make some choices. It was actually at that time that I had a mentor who was really taking me under his wing, you know, reformed theologian, actually teacher at the academy as well, who was pushing me to start doing some serious reading. That's where I was doing some systematic theology. That's where I was uh, really trying to lay the, the groundwork, the foundations that, that I still look back on today yeah. and have totally benefited yeah. from. It was at that same time that I was doing all of that that semester and I had to make a decision. What's important to me? What, what am I trying to do with my life? The one life that I've been given, right? And so it led to this process where I'm really thinking through this a lot more it was very challenging. Even leaving the team was, was a very, very difficult thing for me to do. Cause I knew, cause they're a very tight knit team. Cultish, maybe you'd say in, in a way where if you left, you, you knew that you were going to be disowned. And I was interesting. Well, I was totally disowned. It's interesting. Cause uh, zero to one, Peter Thiel talks about this. He said, every great company, every great organization always borders on cultish. Huh? 
Like, yeah. you don't actually want to be the cult, right? Mm-hmm. There's no actual Kool-Aid at the end of the Argentinian tunnel or whatever it is sure. for, for Jim Jones. But there is something about being in a group of people committed to the same mission where it inspires you. It fills you with passion. They all have the buy-in, yeah. all of that. Yeah. yeah. Brotherhood. So, so I was there. I was right there with them. But eventually, things kind of boiled down to the point where I realized if I was going to do something well with my life, because mm-hmm. you can't do everything well. If I was going to do something well with my life, I wanted to be a really good husband and I wanted to be a really good dad. Hadn't met my wife at that point, right? Like you just I, knew priority-wise that was going to be priorities. Up there yeah. that, that was it, right? That, that's kind of what it boiled down to. And uh, a big part of that, obviously the, the foundation being serving God in, in all of that, right? If, if I was going to do anything well, um, I was going to serve God, Lord willing, and being a really good husband, really good dad. Well, that sorted some things out for me. I realized all of the hours I was spending on the skydiving team. Like that's not going to be copacetic it, is, with. Is that, yeah. is that aligned with what I want to do well? Or maybe should I be committing a lot more to my reading? And so that's literally what I did, right? Is I, I left the team and uh, changed my class structure around, especially the, the next term. I was not taking seven classes. I'll tell you that. I'd, I can't remember if it was at that point or right before that point, I had changed to a humanities major as well. I think I was economics before or something like that. But that opened up my schedule to now take more courses in philosophy and history and that kind of stuff. And it was really from that point that I got serious about what I was doing with my life, right? So even kind of preempting our conversation today, that was a, a big turning point for me was where I had to really buckle down with everything that was going on in my life and figure out what am I going to do with the, the short days that I have that God has given me? I know it's a gift. I know it's a gift from God. How am I going to use that to God's glory? And I realized it wasn't on the skydiving team as fun as that was, right? And that's hard for people to understand even to this day. Yeah, I would equate it to, and and this does, I think, tie into the conversation, right? You're thinking, especially those years in my life, your life, uh, young men, young women trying to figure out what, you know, what, what their specific unique calling based on their gifts and all those things are. But it's really interesting because I think about stuff I've done in the past, like uh, the gun industry, being paid to go on hunts. Oh, yeah. I, you know, there's one point where I'm being paid to go on a hunt in British Columbia. Yeah, rough life. Yeah, horrible. But 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 the thing is, like, it's glamorous because you get to be in magazines and people think, well, so somebody pays mm. you to do that really cool thing. Often what's not seen, though, and, and a big reason I don't do that anymore, I was on the road. I, I probably traveled twice a month every month of the year. Yeah. And it just got to the point where it's like, my kids need me. My wife needs me. Again, you come back to, as we start to lay out this conversation for calling, it really helps if you start, you know, by laying out those foundational principles. Mm. And this, I think where we'll jump in a lot of good stuff out there. I think of Michael Foster's book. It's good to be a man. Um, Oh yeah. What we talk about pastor Dan here, when we get young guys in counseling, we often ask them this question, what is your life for? What kind of mission What's the mission that you want to have for your life? And I, I think a lot of us can agree what the mission is, or, or at least that there should be one. That there should be one. There should mm-hmm. be one, but we can't agree. Like, how do you figure this out? So yes, I think in this- Much more difficult. In this podcast series, we're going to try and unpack that. But, but before we do, Kevin, <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. I was on a podcast a few episodes ago with Ben Garrett, and I was like, yeah, I was talking to Kevin Love about- you know, the map thing, you know, it's just an acronym about how to figure out what you're good at. Cause I, cause I was talking about it with your son yes. before. Right? Yeah. So I think it was like telephone. So Benjamin <laughs> tells me about it 
<laughs> and, and, and he actually relayed it properly. Yes. And then I was like, yeah, so Ben, uh, Kevin, I guess, was talking about MAPS. So it stands for like qualities. <laughs> resources. Resources. Something. So MAP, he got resources <laughs> and qualities and opportunities. And the stuff. look of yeah. disappointment on Master <laughs> Love's face. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I listened to this podcast while I was downstairs painting, finishing up the painting for our basement. Oh, nice. Which is, which was when I had shared that uh, basically a week or two prior with your son, we were talking mm. through, you know, what, what are you trying to do with your life? And, and I use that as the, kind of the framework to discuss it. So then of course it goes home and then it ends up in a podcast as map or Q or something, <laughs> something like that. Just add all the letters. Yeah. Yes. So it's the common trend these days. It, it really is a good tie in though, because you think about map and, and we're going to unpack it in this episode. We're going to talk about a few things. I think answer some questions. For example, what's my calling? What's my mission? How do I figure out uh, what that is, um, and then and then kind of go from there. Yeah. So as you think about this, just top level, why is it important that we have tools like Map so that we can navigate such a really actually a very complex question? Mm. Yeah. So uh, let's come back to that in a second. Okay. Let, yeah. Let's maybe give the listener kind of the the really maybe thirty thousand foot view, ten thousand foot yeah. view of the the next few episodes because we're not just doing this one. This one, I think will be helpful because we're answering what is, what is my calling? What, it, what is my mission? Right. But, but there are other things that we need to figure out too, such as, uh, is it important to be good at what I do or, or can I kind of just, uh, f- fumble around in, in whatever my, call, may, maybe you figure out what your calling is. Is it okay to just fumble the ball when, when you're in charge, right? When, when people are depending on you, is that okay? Let's talk about that in the next, in the next episode. Uh, I, I think episode three, what I'd like to cover as well is, is a question that we often get with this, which is, okay, I think I've figured out my calling or I, I'm moving in that direction. I, I realize I want to be really good at what I, what I'm going to do, but how do I make money? Right. As a Christian, how, how do I make money? Cause who else is having this conversation? Yeah. Well, and I think even, I'm sure stuff we'll get into, um, the hedgehog, principle. Oh yeah. You, you've got to find the economic driver. Mm. Like th- these things kind of have to converge. So there's a lot of stuff to, mm-hmm. to be thinking through. Yeah. And, and we'll totally dive into that in, in episode three for this one though. Uh, so let, let's go back to your question. You're, you're asking about map. Why is, why is it important that we have something like map or, or some kind of framework anyways? Uh, map is really important. Well, I mean, actually it's, it's helpful even just in the name in the acronym itself because it also serves as an illustration. Mm. When you have a map, what does that do for you? We don't really use maps too much these days, but, but maps even on your phone, right? If you had your iPhone out, what, what's it going to do for you? Well, it's, it's going to help you orient yourself. You're going to say, I'm, I'm going from this destination or this location to this destination. How, how do I make sure that I don't take the wrong turn? How do I make sure that uh, I'm going where I'm supposed to be going and not going literally the other direction? Well, it's going to be your map. Your map is going to serve to orient you uh, in, in what you're doing. And I think that's what this acronym is going to do for us as well. Yeah, it reminds me of something uh, Pastor Dan told me the other week, uh, quoting Seneca, but it was Seneca who said, if a man knows not what harbor he seeks, any mm-hmm. wind is the right wind. Yes. So like, mm-hmm. if you don't have a map, the acronym and the tools, then every opportunity is one to chase. Yes. And that would become... Uh, increasingly difficult. Yes. Well, and, and it doesn't help that today, yes, we need a map, but maybe 
aggravating the situation is the fact that we get horrible advice. Mm. We've been getting horrible advice. Uh, I mean, growing up, I, I've heard this, but then also I've, I hear this plenty these days, like just follow your passion, right? Where, wherever your passion leads. I love video games. Well, I, I love video games. I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't even want to go down that rabbit trail. I could give some horrible <laughs> examples, but just follow your passion, right? Well, you could be passionate about some pretty bad things. Or like we were talking about before, maybe, maybe you're passionate about something that no one wants or needs. Yes. So is there going to be an economic driver? Are you actually providing value to other people? And, and it would be different if, if we lived in a world where you didn't need to support yourself. But that's not the world that God made. God made a world where we have to actually toil to get our daily bread. Yeah. And one thing I found, Kevin, is I was, I was talking to a friend in the church the other day about this. When I was in my 20s, I spent at least 10 years doing jobs I really didn't care for, trying to perfect skills mm. that I knew I would apply. And eventually now, you know, I'm almost 40. Now I'm in the position for the first time, really the first time in my life where I'm like, I love what I do. Mm. I love who I do it with. Yeah. But it, it took blood, sweat, and tears yes. to get there. And it, and it meant often you don't quit your day job. No. You've got to build a lot of things around it not just say like, oh, I'm not going to work in corporate wage slavery. I quit. And that's the end of the story. It's, it's, it, it doesn't work that way. That wouldn't be okay. Because mm-hmm. you still have to provide. You still have to provide, especially if you're a man who has a wife and kids at home. Right. Right. As we kind of move forward in this conversation, we're addressing different groups of people. The, the first group of people that I have in my mind is, is really kind of your 16 year old, right? Uh, you, have, you have a 16 year old boy, uh, who's, who's thinking about what, what am I going to do with my life? Okay. That's, that's one, one group. Okay. The second group is what about that, that man who has grown up mm. and now he has a wife and kids, maybe even has settled into a job because he didn't figure it out when he was 16 or when he was 20 or when he was 25, then 30 crept up on him. And now he's 40 years old. Right. And he still says, I hate my job, but I'm there for the money. He, he's a mercenary at that point, right? That is the second group of people that I'd like to address even in this podcast in some sense or, or uh, try to help out in some way. The third group really is, is the ladies. You have mothers, you have sisters, you have daughters who are going to be engaged, intimately engaged in this conversation because they have brothers, they have sons, fathers, they have husbands. sons, right? Uh, you need to be conversant in, in this conversation in particular because you're going to be advising, you're going to be uh, helping tease out through this process, what is somebody's calling, right? So even for the ladies, super applicable. Yeah. And I think a lot of homeschool moms, I know a lot of them that have listened to this show and given feedback is like, how do I help my teenage son figure out what he should do with his life? Yes. Because moms have a different perspective than dad. Mm-hmm. And like, as you said, they can, they're advisors, they can do, play a really a pivotal role here. Oh yeah. Um, one other question I want to ask you, um, speaking of bad advice, you mentioned okay. uh, one, there was a book it's actually a good book and I would recommend it, but Kevin DeYoung wrote a book mm-hmm. called Just Do Something. Okay. And it was really because when I was growing up in the like OOs, there was a lot of this, like what I'll call like God speak, where mm-hmm. it was like, what is God's will for my life? Yes. So that was another way I think a lot of people were trying to answer this question, but you got into things like, well, the Holy Spirit told me that I should be fill in the blank. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that's, Kevin's book is helpful because it's basically like, that's not how the will of the Lord works. No. Yeah. And well, that's why theologians typically make that distinction between the revealed will of God and the hidden will of God. Right. right? If you're trying to ask what the hidden will of God is, 
we call it hidden for a reason. It's a fool's right? errand. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you shouldn't be doing that, right? Um, yeah. That, well, I'm curious, w- w- some other bad advice that is generally given to young people. We had just follow your passion. What else? Yeah. So an, another one that I would say is uh, the classic, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You, you've heard this before, right? Yeah. So in some sense, I actually do see what they're saying. Even in all of these, there's going to be some, some nugget of truth that you mm-hmm. could get to, obviously. So, so we want to be charitable. However, people taking it without uh, that grain of salt. Like passion's everything. Or- yeah. Passion is everything. Or, I mean, take it at face value that if I love what I do, I'll never work a day in my life. Let me just tell you guys, that is not true. Go back to the skydiving example. I, I think it's perfect for this. I was I was doing what I would still say today was the most fun thing I've ever done. It is legitimately so fun getting to fly up in the plane in the first place, getting to look out at the mountains. We were in Colorado Springs, right? Getting to look at the mountains, jump out and watch the mountains start climbing up as you're falling down. Wow. Right. Or, or to be with other guys, like flying, uh, like tracking with, with your body, you can fly your body like a wing. I mean, it, it is so fun, right? I'm still so amped about it. However, that too became a job, right? And that's important for us to think about as Christians because we had work pre-fall. Adam was given work. He was given work in the garden. However, the thing that changed with the fall was that now he was going to work by the sweat of his brow. The work was going to be difficult. So if you're giving advice as a Christian, as long as you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. It'll, it'll, It'll never be hard. You are setting somebody up for failure. It's such a good point, Kevin. And and part of it is threading the needle. So I've heard older men say this in the past, like, well, of course it's work because you should hate it. (laughs) So there's the expectation it's going to be miserable drudgery. Yeah, that's the other other side. That's one ditch. Mm -hmm. The other ditch is that there's like this unicorn type work where everything you do all the time will be just amazing, enthralling. Probably, I think there's something down the middle. Yes. Which is you can find work that your hands and you find meaningful, rewarding, challenging, et cetera. And, and yet acknowledge, yeah, work post-fall is still toilsome. It, it is still going to be work. And, and we'll get to this later, but there's that Ecclesiastes 5 quote, which basically says that God has given you work. He's given you toil actually as a gift. It says it's a gift from God and you are to find pleasure in it. You are, you are to enjoy the work that God has assigned you. But that's a very different way of understanding it than you will never work a day in your life because you will work. I'll tell you, I, what I'm doing right now these days is so fun. I, I think it has perfect alignment with, with my calling, all of that. However, I have to create Greek curriculum. I still work days I, in I, my life. Right? I, <laughs> yes. I, I still work. I, I really do. When, when I wake up really early in the morning, I'm, I'm working like, like, you know, this. we've talked about this plenty of times, but I'm, I'm going to work in the mornings because I'm trying to increase my value that I'm adding to these different organizations, whether it's real estate, whether it's the school, whether it's the church, I'm trying to add value more and more value. In fact, and, and that takes work. It does. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the last things uh, that, that we had written down in our notes to talk about for bad advice, what would you do if money was no object? What, why is this unhelpful? It is. It, the reason that it's a problem, and, and I've heard that advice before, is because that's how you go get a $60,000 uh, debt really after you graduate college with an art degree. <laughs> yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. And so now what are you going to do? Because you don't have anything lined up. I'll tell you that. 
right? And so now you're $60,000 in debt, having to pay off that debt, un- unless uh, Lord Biden obviously uh, <laughs> forgives, forgives that debt. Somebody always pays. <laughs> Somebody's going to. Uh, it'll be our grandchildren, unfortunately. But yeah, because one of the things, maybe the reason this is problematic is mm-hmm. because you actually do need to think through, hey, if I'm going to go do this thing and it's going to be my career, is it the kind of career that could actually provide, especially if we believe in things like, hey, I want my wife to be at home. Yes. Would this job actually provide? Mm-hmm. I had this rude awakening uh, because I was in a guidance counselor's class and I said, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they said, well, but you need to go to college. Of course. And they said, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I like watching sports on TV. Cause I, let me tell you, I was a high value quality young man at this point in my life. I was like, I like to watch TV. Just follow your passions. Eric. Just follow your passions. <laughs> That's literally what she told me. So she, okay. You like to watch sports. And she's like, is there a class you're not failing? Cause my grades were very mm-hmm. poor. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm pretty good at essay writing. And she was like, sports writer. There we go. And that's literally how <laughs> I ended up in that career. <laughs> so what's funny though, is I, I go into sports writing and I'm in college and I'm like, wow, I spend a whole evening at a sports game and I, I, I write it up for the Greeley Tribune mm. and I get paid like $20. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and wow, how, this, how much was that per hour? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, sorry, don't answer that. It's like a yeah. dollar an hour. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. So I, I get done with this and I'm, I'm slowly the pieces are coming together. And I'm like, this is, well, hopefully you get paid better once you're full-time. Oh, sure, sure. So then I get done with school and they're like, we want to offer you a full-time position. Benefits, dude, it's, it's a killer job. Great job. Mm-hmm. I'm like, awesome. Let's, let's talk salary. And they're like, yeah, so your salary will be 25K a year. Mm. And I'm like, I have made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a hard pill to swallow after all those years. Yeah. And then, and then after college, after all that, and I started asking around only then asking around being like, Hey, um, so I love sports writing. What, like are the hours? Oh yeah. You work from like 2 PM to 2 AM, like every day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're always traveling, especially if you get good. And that's yeah. when I kind of, that, that's when it hurts. Pulled the ejection cord. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, kind of like you were figuring out with skydiving. Like, yeah. I had not thought through just the yes. practical, can you provide for a family? Yeah. You know, so that was actually a really big issue. Especially for men. We're, we're, we're talking, we're addressing boys becoming men. We're really young men uh, at, at, at 16 even, or, or men who potentially have a wife and kids to feed. Yeah. You, you don't get to mess around. It, this is actually really important. And so you can't, you cannot blindly follow that advice Uh because it's going to lead you astray, right? You need, you need something a little more substantial. And, and we'll, we'll cover that, I think, in, in some depth when we get to episode three uh, or, or the third part of this. But yeah, don't, don't follow that. Wouldn't go that direction. Yeah, uh, Kevin, it's also interesting. It ties to another thing that is actually, I think, really been lost and needs to be recovered. One of the mm. things the reformers and Protestants did was teach on vocation. The, yes. A lot of it was under the priesthood of all believers, um, and it was this concept that y- you didn't just have to be a priest to be doing God's work, yes. meaningful work. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of building on the concept that, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Mm-hmm. You could be a wheelwright. You could be a tanner, a tailor. It didn't matter. Yeah. God has called. That's where you could be serving God. Yeah. And you could be mm-hmm. serving there. So I just want to mm-hmm. ask you, what, what is, it's this doctrine of vocation, but what is it vocation? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, so vocation we get from the Latin voco or vocare, which means to call, right? So, mm-hmm. so same thing. When we say my calling and my vocation, we're, we're talking the same thing. 
But the reason that uh, even what you brought up, like with a Puritans, for example, they're, the priesthood of all believers is important, but specifically with uh, their understanding of God's providence. Mm. God put you in a place. Yes, God. He orders the boundaries of your life. He did that on purpose. Yeah. He, he did that with purpose, right? Uh, it's actually a glory that the triune God, both one and three, unity and diversity, created a world that is not all peanut butter spread, the, <laughs> right. right? Right. That it's that, that there's a lot of diversity in this world. We were even talking kind of before this, but uh, your gifts are different from my gifts. My gifts are different from Brian's gifts, from Dan's gifts, right? Um, from, from Ben's gifts. Uh, it would be very, very boring. In fact, if I came in to work every day and I just had a bunch of clones of Kevin, I wouldn't like that, right? right? We complement each other. We challenge one another. Iron sharpens iron, all of that, right? But uh, a thorough understanding of vocation is going to recognize that God made those differences. God put those differences into the world. And so a big part of our task then is this process, the process of figuring out what have I uniquely been called to? How has God gifted me both in my abilities, but then also in my providential circumstances, which we'll get to, especially in, in part three, uh, or sorry, uh, the third part of the MAP acronym. But how, how has God providentially put me here and given me talents? What, what is, why did he do that? Well, and, and it matters so much because I think I was reading this in Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, mm. and he quotes Wordsworth, who in the poem had said, uh, trailing clouds of glory, we come. And his point was like, you enter the world with gifts and, a, and, and a, this vocare, this calling upon your life. And so Stephen, it was actually really helpful. He was saying, you know, today we teach our kids, you can be whatever you want. Mm. And he said, well, that's actually not true. Yep. It, it's helpful to know that God in his providence has ordered it. When you think of what Paul says in Corinthians, that certain people have certain gifts. And so it changes things because then I think, okay, well, then the goal would be figure out where you're gifted. Yes. And then go be that. Yeah. And do you agree of, with or, that? Also, instead of taking this, uh, almost machine-like understanding of who we are as humans and, and thinking they were infinitely malleable or something. Like if you just put in a different hard mm. drive or, or you, you did some kind of training that I could just be you. Or think about the, the way that hyper-specialization on the assembly line has worked. Yes. Their view is like, I can put anybody in any position and they can do it. And if you hyper-specialize, that's true. Mm -hmm. But even then, it, it may not be a good fit for their giftings. So a good yes. example would be, you know, Pastor Dan does a lot of the executive CFO style mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. Brian could do it, but as a creative, is that the best use of, of a gift and a skill set? Exactly. Mm -hmm. The answer would be no. Mm -mm. Yeah. But, but, but they complement each other really well. Right. And so mm -hmm. what we're trying to do fundamentally, that's a microcosm, but what you're trying to do is figure out, okay, what's the, what's this person's gift? Maybe it's my son. Maybe it's me. What are the giftings? And how do we find careers, callings, jobs, vocations that go with that grade? Get align with it. Yes, getting alignment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a global study from 2021 pointed out, people who lift weights just 30 to 60 minutes per week increase their lifespan by up to 20%. You heard that right, 20%. Other studies have shown that strength is one of the factors tied most directly to increasing your longevity. Interestingly enough, this holds true at any age. In other words, whether you're 18 or 87, you greatly increase your chance of living longer simply by doing some form of strength training. 
Speaking of which, I've been lifting weights through Barbell Logic online coaching for about nine weeks now. I'm working with my trainer, Matt Reynolds, three workouts per week, and I've increased my deadlift and squat by over 100 pounds. And that's just nine weeks. My bench press has increased by almost 50 pounds. I've never had weightlifting coaching, but with custom-tailored workouts and constant feedback from Matt after my workouts, I've been able to improve form, increase weight, and grow much stronger in a very short period of time. My deadlift is now up over 285 pounds, my squat is over 275 pounds, and my bench press is over 220 pounds. Are you ready to improve your strength, get in better shape, and increase the number of productive years, God willing, that you have on earth? Well, sign up today for Barbell Logic's online coaching, and your first month is always free. They'll pair you with the right coach to meet your training needs. So visit barbelllogic.com slash hardmen to get paired with a coach today and start your weightlifting program. You can also check the link in the show notes. Yeah, I think it would be helpful if we kind of root ourselves right now uh, to establish the foundation. Because again, my one of my goals in us even meeting together doing this podcast is getting us to think as Christians about this, Mm -hmm. there's plenty of books you can read. There's a lot of pagan works out there right now that are going to talk to you about your calling or vocation in secular language. And it's going to talk about your, your, maybe your abilities or something like that. But as far as understanding this as a Christian, how do, how do I go about this? Is there a Christian way to think about this? The answer as with all things, obviously, yes. But I think it'd be helpful if we rooted ourselves in looking at uh, something like first Corinthians seven, just because it's going to give us some context, even a warning, I think uh, we'll see as we read this. But 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 17, Paul says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches, right? In, in other words, what he's saying there is uh, don't jump ship. It, God, God called you while, while you were maybe in this vocation or, or in this season of life don't just jump ship because you're all, you're spiritual all of a sudden, right? The, the spiritual, like we were saying, we, we don't have that distinction between the sacred and, and the secular. Uh, every vocation can be sanctified. Every vocation can be committed to the Lord. You don't need to jump ship just because you're now a Christian, right? Well, yeah. And you can understand what was you know going on in the Corinthian church, right? You have uh, people who were unbelievers, they're married, you know, they're married, they become a Christian. Yes. And then one person says, well, do I need to leave the marriage? Mm-hmm. Or you could have, you know, servants and masters. Do I need to try to get out of this relationship? Yes. Uh, but it does highlight, as you said, a, a really interesting feature of how callings work is that mm-hmm. they're assigned to you by God. Yes. Now it's also interesting because I think in our day and age, our calling, we think of like, Steve Jobs' calling was to start Apple in his garage and become a billionaire. Uh-huh. This is actually more mundane than that. Yes. It's like, okay, well, you're a wheelwright. You're a tanner. You're a mother. You're a father. Pretty basic, yeah. But it is saying, like, it, if you're a father and you have children, that's your calling. Mm-hmm. At least one of them. Yep, that's God has assigned this to you. Mm-hmm. So you need to, you know, make preparations to do that well. There's a saying that I heard in the military, I'm sure... Uh, people say elsewhere as well, but bloom where you're planted. Yeah. You heard that before, yeah. right? So where, wherever you're at, wherever God planted you, that's where you should bloom. Don't, don't try to uproot yourself. Right. And, and I think that's, that really aligns. Uh, of course, Paul is not primarily talking about vocations here, right? We have, we have to acknowledge that. However, I think an application to our modern day, I, I think it has a, a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities that, that we can apply to our own time and space, uh, especially when you look a few verses later, 
And this is going to provide a helpful distinction for us. So first he said, live as you're called. Live the life that the Lord has assigned to you. Okay, got it. And starting in verse 20, he says, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Okay, cool. Reaffirming what he just said. Were you a bond servant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But then he, and you have it in parentheses. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity, right? So the reason that this is important and that I wanted to bring this up today is because it provides a helpful distinction for us. We have to make this distinction between our concrete calling and our abstract or ideal calling. Interesting. So our concrete calling is what you were just talking about. Okay, you were a tanner. You were a, I don't know, you're, you were working as a smith or something like that. And God calls you. Now you're a Christian. Well, well, don't just abandon that. You have a wife and kids to feed, right? So similarly, men, if you're listening to this, uh, this doesn't apply as much to, to the young 16 something, but, but especially if you're in your 20s and your 30s and you have people that you need to feed, don't, with the conversation we're about to have, don't just ditch what you're currently doing so that you can chase this ethereal ideal. This is my God given calling. No, no, no. Where you're at right now, that's your God given calling. That's what you need to commit to. That's what you need to do well. It would actually be immoral, really. If, if you have a boss who's paying you per hour, for example, and you were to say, you know, after, after listening to, to Kevin and Eric, I, I think I, I really need to, to go do this and this other, whatever, whatever you, whatever you find, we need to go do this calling. And uh, so I'm going to start spending all of my time that I'm supposed to be working for this man. And I'm just going to start researching for my next job. And I'm going to, no, you, you can't do that, right? You, you need to commit where you're at right now. So concretely what's in front of your face, that's what you need to commit your hand to. Yeah. And I think a big part of it, I, I remember reading this in John Acuff's book, it was called Quitter. And like the first chapter is like, don't quit your day job. You know, you're trying to build this side hustle that you hope one day will be your main thing. That's great. But he laid out a lot of principles, like what you're talking about. You can't steal from your present employer. Um, But I always said, uh, I had a blog post years ago. It was called Chasing Dreams to the Glory of God. Mm -hmm. And kind of the point was like, stuff I'd learned along the way is like, you also can't steal from your family. Yes. Like, okay, you, for me, it was like, I want to do writing and podcasting. Well, that needs to be when the kids are in bed, people are asleep. First things first. Yeah. You, you have to take care of your priorities. Mm -hmm. And John says in the book too, he's like, listen, it may take you 10 years of side hustling it and being patient to get to the point where you want to do something. But yeah, you, you, you can't just quit tomorrow to make these things happen because it would be fundamentally irresponsible. Yes, it would be irresponsible. And and yet, again, going back to to this wisdom that Paul's giving us here, but if you can gain your freedom, you should avail yourself of that opportunity. You, right. you should take it, right? So in other words, what, what I want people to hear when, when they're listening to this is, okay, I need to do a really good job where I'm at, just period. I need to take care of my family. I need to do that. However, if through this process, you're starting to discover uh, through this MAP acronym, wh- whatever it is, that maybe that's not your calling. That's not really where you want to be for the rest of your life uh, because you you legitimately believe that God has not called you there, right? That's, that's what we're trying to chase right now. That's what we're trying to find. And, and maybe you do find that. Uh, it's okay to avail yourself of that opportunity, but you need to do it with wisdom. You can't just abandon your family. You can't just abandon your current employer uh, unless you have something really lined up, right? not abandoning your family, abandoning your employer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you, if you yes. have something yes. lined up, right? Uh, that's, 
it's really fundamental to this conversation. And I have a pastoral duty to say that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think the proverb, you know, we're trying to avoid the like chasing foolish dreams, right? The, I forget the proverb, but he talks about mm. those who work their fields will have plenty. Yes. And those who chase dreams, I think is the ESV at least um, are going to starve. So there, you know, we've all met guys like that where it's like, mm. My brother in Christ, you need to work a job and stay working at the job. Be stable. Not like, mm-hmm. you know, chase a new entrepreneurial endeavor. They all fail and you mm-hmm. chase a new one every six months. Some guys do legitimately need to hear, like, you just need to plant yourself and be faithful. Yes. And I think a big part of the conversation is contentment. The other thing I would say, um, anytime you're working through life issues like this, this is why it's so important to have pastors, men you trust, mm-hmm. uh, men who know your faults pretty well. And you can say like, hey, I want, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And if I get a green light, like, you know, the NASA space launch, and they're like, yeah, fuel's go. a go, this yeah. is a go, this is a go. Okay, great. But if all the best people around me are going, Eric, no. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you do not need to do that. We, we need to have those checks in our life as well. Yeah, you need that input. It's actually really helpful that you say that too, because as we go through this MAP acronym, this is not a solo journey. This is not meant to just be on your own and, and you're sitting in your room and you're thinking, man, what, a, what has God, what has God called me to? Uh, mm. No, no, no. You, you need other people. Because we're created for community. Yes. Well, and, and we're easily deceived, right? Sin is deceitful. We're easily deceived, uh, especially when you're just thinking about yourself and your, your own motivations and all of that. You can get an idea of it, but you need to run that by other people. You need to get input as well. That's again, going back to wives, mothers, even daughters, right? Hey, I, I think I'm gifted in this area. What, what, what do you think? Have you seen this or, or do you agree, disagree? What do you think? You yeah. Know? And a lot of times uh, this comes up with pastoral ministry, but it could be anything. Um, you know, we always say like, it's one thing to have a desire to be an elder. Yes. But it has to be ratified by the church. You have to have people who say, yes, I do think mm-hmm. that you're gifted. Cause a lot of times it could be, you say like, Hey, I feel called to called to preach and Spurgeon would say, you have a lisp and a small chest. No, <laughs> you have <laughs> yeah. not been called. Wouldn't recommend. Would not yeah. recommend. So, so Kevin, at this point, um, do you want to move into the acronym? Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's go, let's go down it. So uh, map, just, just like it sounds M A P. So qualities, responsibilities, <laughs> resources. Uh, so M A P motivations, abilities, and pattern mm. motivations, abilities, and pattern. So we, we can just, if you're okay with it, maybe just step, literally step through yeah. each of them. Yeah, love it. Okay. So, so starting with motivations, uh, and to be clear for this MAP acronym, you need all three. It, it, it wouldn't be okay. And maybe we should probably tease that out a little bit later. Maybe if I don't remember to get to it, remind me. Yeah. Uh, we need to tease out what would happen if maybe you had two of the three or ju- just one of the three. Do, yeah. Can you really say that's your calling, right? What, You're what looking can, for that convergence of all three. Yeah, they all three need to be aligned yeah. uh, f- for you personally. So the first one is, is motivations. I like to think of this one pretty broadly, but if you wanted to put it in some other words, we would say purpose. Mm. What, what, is, what, what is your purpose, right? What, what, are you, uh, what, what are you excited about, right? Uh, another way that this is often packaged, especially like in secular circles, they're, they're talking about finding your why. What, what, what is your why? What is your motivation? And I think it's helpful to think of your why as often rooted in your who, your what, or your how. Mm. And maybe uh, just as an example of that, uh, 
like real estate for me, I really like real estate. I like homes. I like the whole investing process. I like the buying. I like the selling process. I, I enjoy all of that. You could call that the what, right? So, okay, I could see how that would be a, a why because it's, it's genuinely interesting to me. That's going to motivate me, right? When times get tough, you need a why. Again, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, it's not true. You're going to come across times where you don't want to wake up and go to work that day, right? You, you want to watch a movie. You want to just veg out. You just want to go to the beach, I, whatever. We can't go to the beach here because we're in Utah, but I am from California. <laughs> and it's middle and of I, winter. And I miss it. How dare you? Um, <laughs> but, but you need a, a strong why that's going to carry you through those low points, right? That you can remember why. So maybe it's, maybe it's real estate. That would be like your what? Uh, if you were to think of your how, that's going to be that calling's uh, how it goes about its business. So for example, real estate, maybe you do get into real estate as a real estate agent or something like that. You're not really that interested in real estate itself, but you love serving people. Mm. That's actually one aspect that's super fulfilling for me is uh, just like when I was a contracting officer in the Air Force or when I was an acquisitions officer, you are, you're representing people right? So as a real estate agent, again, laws of agency, you actually have to follow this. I have to act in my client's best interest as if I was in their shoes. So if I see them making a horrible decision, I have to say something. I'm actually legally obligated to. Interesting. So, so that's very satisfying to me to provide a very high level of service. So maybe it's the how. We talked about the what, we talked about the how, but maybe it's the who too. Uh, or maybe it's a, a combination of all, all three of these. We have a, a training that I'm doing for uh, primarily for dyslexia students or dyslexic students. And you could very much see that and say, I am so motivated by the students that I'm going to serve because I know that this, this training, this program, whatever it is, is going to provide so much real help. That's super motivating to me. When, when times get tough, when, when there's a low ebb in my energy, I can be reminded of my motivation of who I'm actually getting to serve. So again, whatever your why is, uh, you do need to figure this out. You need to figure out what is my motivation, even if we're just talking kind of generally, right? That's okay. It doesn't need to be hyper-specific, but but generally, why or or what what kinds of things motivate me? Maybe you can uh, think of it in the what's, maybe it's the how's, maybe it's the who's, maybe it's a combination of all of those. Yeah, I also think, Kevin, it's such a good question it's it's often hard to ask and answer, you know, what's my why? Mm-hmm. But then I think of like New Christendom Press, you know, coming to this point where it's like, okay, because we have what I would call like a transcendental purpose. Yes. This is where when we're challenging guys to think about your mission, right, your legacy, these sorts of things. In 50 years, what do you want your kids to think and say and, and remember about you? You really do have to think about more than like, well, I want to go to work today and make enough money to provide. That is essential, mm-hmm. but you also have to say, well, yeah, but what gives my life meaning? Yes. So like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers coach, uh, Chuck Knoll always said was really interesting. He said, I'm not really here to coach football. I'm here to change men's lives. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, that's interesting. And he would always say, he was kind of like a Dutch reformed guy, mm-hmm. but he said, I'm trying to help every man find his life's work. Yeah. And that would be the thing that like it, at some level, it should inspire you. You mm-hmm. sense that what you're doing is important. That's part of what we're doing right now. Yeah. Even in this conversation. Yeah. I'm, I'm super motivated to talk about this because I love helping people find alignment with what God has called them to. Yeah. And the, and the reason I think meaning is so important 
I think about the Gulag Archipelago. Mm-hmm. And Solzhenitsyn said that like the most depressing thing that they would be exposed to in the Gulags was digging and filling in ditches. Mm. Like this, this sense that man, when you're working really hard and you know that your work is Utterly meaningless, purposeless, yeah. like I'm just a widget creator. Mm-hmm. For most people, that's going to be depleting. Yeah. So that would be, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, would yeah. be part of this figuring out motivation. Yes. Yeah. It, it's really going to help you. Again, I, I said through, through the low ebbs, but it's not hard to imagine how much more motivated you would be you see a higher purpose to what you do yes. rather than just putting in your hours rather than just, you know, yeah. Like making your widgets or, or pulling the levers, whatever it is. Spreadsheets. Yes. Yeah, spreadsheets, <laughs> Excel. Hey, we, we love you accountants. It, it, you're going to be more motivated, right? Yeah. You, you see a higher calling, a higher purpose, what you're doing, but I want to give some broad flexibility with that, which is why I said you need to find your why you need to find that motivation, but it could be in the who it could be in the what, or it could be in the how or a combination. I don't want to pigeonhole. So sometimes we do that where it's like, you need to just absolutely love what you do. Well, not, not necessarily, right? It, it might not be about houses. You, you might not care to be completely honest, but yeah. you love serving people. Or, okay. or maybe if you get into real estate or something like that, you realize like, I'm a, I'm a really relational person and I like connecting with people about something yeah. important, uh-huh. like exactly. you know, getting their house. The other thing, I, I think this will apply to all of them, not just motivation, but it seems like one of the conversations I have with a lot of men in particular is we're talking about like, how do you figure these things out? How do you figure out what you're motivated at? Mm-hmm. And, and I've recommended a book called range by David Epstein, but the fundamental principle is this, even if you don't read the book, it, ultimately you've got to experiment. Yes. You've got to try a bunch of mm-hmm. a wide range of a bunch of different things. So I think one thing where people get stuck is they're like, I'm going to go in my room and just meditate and try to come up with what motivates me. Yes. You might not find it right away and you might not find it until you're actually doing something. And in the process of doing, you say, wow, I really like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a discovery process. I was going to bring this up in in the part about abilities too, but it, it's a process. It's not a, I'm going to go sit in my room and I'm just going to think about this. You know, I'm going to pound some coffee and (laughs) now now my, 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 my neurons are firing. Uh, it, it doesn't work like that. It really is. You can start out up front like that and maybe get a lot of groundwork, but you still have to go test it. You still have to, to really figure this out as you're doing it. Uh, and that's actually going to lead to more and more discoveries for you, mm. which is why this is important. I, I think another thing that, that I'd be thinking through in this area, again, for motivation, uh, you guys had, you recently did a podcast on deep work. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that some, was the one where I came up with qualities and <laughs> yeah, resources, yeah. all the, all the, all the, all the letters for the acronym. Uh, but why, why would you do deep work if you weren't motivated about what you did? If you were just a mercenary, uh, you know, I, I don't mean that in the, the strictly military sense, but I just mean, you're just there punching the clock. Right. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not here because I want to serve. I'm here for the money. That's a mercenary. I think you, right. I think. Honestly, if that was your take, I think you would try to avoid deep work kind of at all costs because it's more energy expenditure. It is. It it takes a lot of focus and it takes time away from other fun things you could be doing. You could be with your family. You could, you know, spend the money that you've been earning, whatever it is. And, and so that's why this is important to the conversation is it's going to allow you to actually do hard work. If you have a clear motivation, a clear why behind what you're doing. And again, going back to that Ecclesiastes five quote, I think it's helpful just to read it. Uh, in full. So this is Ecclesiastes 5 verses 18 through 19. He says, behold, 
What I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. Again, a radically different conception about work, right? God has assigned you this. Okay, check. Now I'm understanding, just like he says, it was actually given to me. It was, it's actually my lot in life. Like I that, need to accept. Yeah, that sounds a little cold, but it's not because it's our heavenly father who has given that to us, right? So we, we can accept that and we can actually f- rejoice in our toil. We can accept our lot and rejoice in our toil. And it says that that's actually a gift to us. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's, it's tied to motivation in terms of, I think about this rejoicing in your toil. One of the questions you want to answer is what work do I do that like, actually I feel this joy. Yeah. And it's not in the pay. This mm-hmm. pay is important. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of guys will say, Hey, do you like what you do? And they'll say, yeah, it's okay. I get paid well. And I said, no, no, no. I mean, but the actual work that you do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. does it challenge you? Does it, um, are you growing? Yeah. Even mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like there's certain days where if I'm doing a lot of deep work that I'm good at for me, that's writing, podcasting, et cetera. I get to the end and it's, it's weird. I'm almost energized by having worked really hard, mm-hmm. but motivation wise for other people, like I could go to a construction job site <laughs> and I have for many years yeah. and I do it. And I was grateful for when it provided, but it was also like, this is it's not actually extra draining. This is <laughs> yeah. not what I made for. <clears throat> I could tell that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you can fundamentally or or maybe viscerally feel misalignment. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not cut out for this. You know, I, I I think I do a fine job, but I, I'm not made for this. Yeah. And a lot of other questions too, motivation wise is like, remember Mark Manson had a blog post about this, like trying to help people figure out how to, how to do it. And he said, what's the thing that you do where you forget to go to the bathroom or eat? (laughs) Yeah. And and I thought about that and I was like, that's interesting. Cause Mm. like my dad would be this way. He'd be in the shop working on a car and like, I'd be like, dad, have you eaten? No, I'm fine. I got to finish this. Hours just fly by. Like Mm -hmm. eight hours would go by. Mm -hmm. And then he'd be like, oh shoot, I need to get a sandwich. Yeah. Because you could tell that was fully engaged work to him. Yeah. You're in your wheelhouse in some sense, whether it's your, your giftings or, or just your, your knowledge, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you almost have this, this kind of visceral test case right? Where, where you, you, in a way you can feel it, right? And this is why the testing process is so important. The, the fact that it is a process, it's not a one and done kind of thing, but it's like, okay, generally I think this is where I'm motivated. So I'm going to enter this broad field, let's say, but you still have to uh, go through that process. You still have to do the trial and error of, no, this really doesn't align. I thought it would looking at my giftings, but it, that wasn't it. Right. You yeah, need that. There's a lot of things on paper in my life where I've thought like when I got a job at Valvoline instant oil change and I started as a technician mm. and I was thinking, this is like miserable. I'm changing oil. I'm getting paid like $7 an hour. I actually love that job. Oh really? Yeah. It was really weird because, uh, the training was really regimented. Yes. Um, they really fundamentally did discipleship really well okay. among the, the teams. And then like, it was such a weird experience to figure this out. But my favorite thing in the world was when you were a store manager, I would be on the floor directing traffic across three bays. So I'm basically playing quarterback Uh all day long. 
And I was like, I love this. Yeah. The managing aspect. You never would have known it until Mm -hmm. you had, you had done it. But like, uh, that was kind of one of the first jobs where I realized in, in a very sick and twisted way, Kevin, Mm -hmm. I was like, I like things better when it's super stressful. Yeah. I do not like docile environments. No. And and there's a lot of men who are really driven like that, that enjoy a challenge. Yeah. One of the worst things that you can do for a driven man is put him into a job that's not going to challenge him. Right. That it's he, easy. That he can't rise to the occasion that he can't prove to himself. I mean, I've been in situations like that before where, uh, I don't want to speak too specific in this situation. Um, at a previous job that I had, uh, I was, I was kind of just treated like a, like a little kid, like, here's your crayons. There's the corner, go color. <laughs> right. And, and I, for, for somebody like me, I consider myself fairly driven. I, I wanted to rise to the occasion. I don't want to be treated like a little kid. Right. You know what, what man would really want that to go in and feel, wow, I'm very fulfilled because they're having me, you know, color within the lines. Like I tell my little daughter to like, good, good idea. No, no, that's not, that's not exciting. That That's not going to help me stay driven. Right. So, so yeah, but you don't know until you get into that situation, right? Which is where, where you were kind of figuring that out. Yeah. One question I have for you, Kevin, because a lot of people will ask this. Mm-hmm. One of the big things when I was in corporate America, Myers-Briggs and, you know, people today on like, it's a little bit different because it's like new agey spiritualism, but Enneagram. Yeah. Um, just what are your thoughts on those types of, tools for personality assessment. You find them helpful, et cetera. Full disclosure, haven't ever done one. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, which is probably for the best, but if, if you are trying to, I, I know there are diagnostic tools out there. I can't remember the, the book, but I, I know for sure of one that's a little bit more popular that is helpful in kind of giving a diagnostic. It's not now discover your strengths, is it? Uh, wait, wait, that sounds right. No, Donald no, no. O'Clifton, um, something finders, something strength finder. It's the same. Okay. Okay. So, so, yeah, so, so that, so that, that was one that actually Samaritan ministries use, mm, yeah. um, but that's tied to now discover your strengths, which I liked because I thought it was very much tied to Paul's idea of giftings. Okay, good. Yeah. So I don't necessarily want to go to the Enneagram track, but no, but, but as no. far as, as far as something like that, where it's kind of a diagnostic tool, where, where you click through all the buttons and say, yeah, I, I think I do this pretty well. And oh yeah, when I come across this, it's horrible, right? Uh, th- those can be really helpful, especially upfront. It, it will not replace the process. But as far as an upfront kind of teaser, as I'm I, like teasing out these ideas, I, I think it is helpful as a baseline. Yeah. Yeah, so people can check that out. I know they have like a corporate tool that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, I applied at Samaritan at one point uh, for a job and they used it. Um, and, and, and by the way, I think it was really helpful as from the employer perspective, because mm-hmm. when I went to work there, Samaritan was really interesting because they, I said, well, what positions are open in the company? And uh, their director of HR, he said, no, 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 no. He said, that's not how we do things. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And it was brilliant. I mean, really brilliant. He said, no, I mean, we're going to put you through the strength finder. We're going to figure mm-hmm. out the map of your life. Yeah. And then we're going to try and put you in a position where you mostly get to do that. Yes. And it was like a light bulb moment for me. Cause I thought, man, can you imagine if every company did that mm-hmm. instead of saying, I don't know, we just need somebody to, you know, to spray the cockroaches in the basement. Yes. So we're going to force you into that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll bring this up in episode three that we do together, but I, very same thing, right? Yeah. There's a book called first break all the rules. And mm. uh, actually maybe it, it wasn't that one. It was who uh, by, by Jeff smart. 
his father is the one who did top grading. If you're familiar with that book, interesting uh, okay. on hiring top grading is more of the, it's like an instruction manual. It's, it's a thick book. Like I could hit you across the head and it would knock you out kind of book. Uh, but his son wrote a, a smaller book called who uh, blue, blue and white cover. Uh, it talks about hiring practices and one of it's, it's applying top grading, but at a more basic level. Yeah. And one of the things that he talked about in there is that you want to hire specialists. You don't want to hire the generalists. And, and kind of what I was taking from that as I'm threading a lot of these ideas together uh, among a few different books is you're hiring somebody for their specific strengths or their specific talents, which we're, we're just about to get into, but you're hiring for that. If you're hiring for your position, you need to be looking for specific strengths that roll with that position. But if you're not doing that, you can kind of do the whole Jim Collins, uh, you know, first get them on the bus, get the right people on the bus, then find them a seat. It's that kind of idea. Like what you were just talking about. It's like, well, depending on what we find from this whole strength finders thing, then we'll find you a seat. You're not coming in for a seat necessarily. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, we're kind of going to fine tune because that's, and, and that's a big part of being a manager is being able to see the differences in people and put them in the right seat. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. We appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. If you're not yet a Patreon supporter, sign up today for $10 a month. You get a free Hard Men Slunk Eggs coffee cup and check out the link in the show notes for Barbell Logic. You can join today. It helps support this show. And it will help support your mission, I guess, to uh, get stronger. That should be part of your manly mission. And I would definitely commend to you uh, Barbell Logic. Check the link in the show notes for that. And as Kevin said, uh, next episode, we'll be talking about uh, the A and the P in map. We'll delve into some more resources and materials. By the way, if you want to go on Patreon, we're going to be listing out all the resources that we talk about in the show so one of the benefits of signing up on Patreon is you'll get all that stuff listed out. And Kevin and I are also there, exclusive for Patreon supporters. We're going to have further conversation about some of the particular resources, including Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You. Uh, we'll talk about that. We're also talking about Tim Ferriss and the 4-Hour Workweek. What can you gain from that book? So be sure to sign up on Patreon. You'll get more exclusive content, deeper discussion. Etc. And until next time, thanks for listening. So stay frosty, fight the good fight, and act like men.